Aloha, and welcome to The Word of Hope with Ralph Moore, pastor of Hope Chapel Kaneohe. Hope Chapel exists to grow ordinary people into faithful, productive followers of Jesus Christ, equipping them through Bible teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. Today, Pastor Ralph will continue his message entitled, That Place of Protection. And now, here's Pastor Ralph. Now, as I read this, you know, if you just read through and you don't know a, a, a little background of the Bible, you might want to write where it says citizens of heaven. Just write down Acts chapter 16. Let me tell you what's there. It's very significant. Paul is in jail in Rome as he writes this. He has been preaching the gospel in Jerusalem. A riot broke out as a result of that. He's accused of inciting a riot, which in the old Roman system was a capital crime. You'd die for that. He has been fooled around with in court after court. Finally, he says, I appeal my case to the emperor. It's like saying to the Supreme Court here. And to the emperor, you must go, the person says. And, and so Paul has, has moved to Rome, and he's appealed his case in Rome. And as he's writing to the church in Philippi, he's writing on what most Bible scholars believe is the eve of his sentencing. Tomorrow he will find out, is he guilty or not guilty? Does he live or does he die? And he's already gone to the highest court in the land, so there's no more court of appeals. And those people, from all we know of history, did not fool around when it came to executing somebody. If they say he's going to die tomorrow, he may be dead by next Thursday. And as he writes to the church in Philippi, he says to them, don't be intimidated by your enemies. He's talking about satanic enemies. This is a sign to them of their destruction, your victory. So you talked about last week. He writes to them and he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say it, rejoice. Five times he says to rejoice on the night before he's going to find out, does he live or die? He writes and says, I'm not sure if it's better to live or die. If I live, I get to hang out with you. If I die, I get to go hang out with Jesus. That's better. I'm not sure what's going to happen. And then he says right here, Whatever happens to me, you act like citizens of heaven. You stand up and be who you are. Don't cave in. Well, that would be very meaningful to the church in Philippi because as Paul went to Philippi, he began to share the gospel with a few people. He found people who were willing to listen, who were hungry for God, and he began to, to share Christ with them. And they would meet in this place down by the river where there was business going on, where people were doing their laundry, right out in the open in the marketplace. Much like what we've been doing in our church, having little prayer cells meeting in the marketplace around town. People are aware of this. Paul understands citizenship. The, the church in Philippi understands citizenship. You have certain rights. And you and I need to to come to a place where we come to the Lord and we kind of wrap ourselves in those promises that God makes us. This is why you read your Bible. Good night. You know, there's this whole, you know, I, I read my Bible to please God. I go through all these things that I have to do. Nonsense. Nonsense. I, I have my Bible all marked up because there's places in I want to remember when the going gets tough, I want to know what God says about the going. Does that make sense? You got room for a little more? Let's go one last place. We're going to go to Psalm 37. It talks about the place of protection. Psalm 37, kind of almost in the middle of the Old Testament. It's a good idea to get familiar with Psalms. There's a lot of promises and wonderful things in here. This is my favorite chapter in the whole Bible. 
the very end of the chapter, it starts out by saying, don't worry, trust in the Lord. Verse 39 says, the Lord saves the godly, and he is their fortress in times of trouble. When it says fortress, just write down 1 Samuel. Just that. You can go look at someday. Read the whole book of 1 Samuel. It's full of intrigue, violence, seduction, rape, murder. It's, it's like reading a Robert Ludlum spy novel to read First uh, and Second Samuel. It's very exciting. The Lord saves the godly. He is their fortress in times of trouble. The Lord helps them, rescuing them from the wicked. He saves them, and they find shelter in him. It would be better read if you crossed off the word and in the last sentence and wrote, He saves them because they find shelter in Him or because they take refuge in Him. God will save you if you go to Him when there's trouble. He won't save you if you don't. The Bible says in the New Testament, We have not because we ask not. I take refuge in the Lord. He rescues me. I refuse to take refuge in the Lord. I'm on my own. You know, I, I can be a pretty self-motivated, self-determined, self-controlled person. It's exactly the opposite of what God really wants from me. God wants me to, to express my dependency on Him and live in dependency on Him. Now, you could go to Proverbs chapter 3 and it tells you, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in everything you do, and he'll direct your paths. And 10 verses later, it says, don't forsake good planning. God's not telling us to check our brain at the door. We're still supposed to plan. We're supposed to do all the stuff that we do, prepare for things. But we're supposed to do it with an eye to what is God saying. We go to God as our place of safety. We go to God as, as a leader of our life. But when it says the word fortress there, do you see the word fortress in your Bible? First verse, it says that, that God is a fortress to us. Well, if what do you have in your mind when you think of, of a fortress? If you're, you know, if you grew up in the 1950s watching Rin Tin Tan on TV, you think of a of a of a U.S. Army cavalry fort in the middle of the the, the the prairies of North Dakota someplace. That's a that's a fort, but that's not what this is talking about. Or maybe you've been on a trip to Europe and you've seen medieval castles and, and they're fortresses. But that's not what this is talking about. When the Bible uses the word fortress here, this is why I gave you the reference of, of, of 1 Samuel. You see throughout 1 Samuel, David, who would become king of Israel, always hiding in the stronghold. That's the word that's used here in the original language where it says fortress. Write the word stronghold in your Bible above it. And David would always retreat to the stronghold of En Gedi. En Gedi is a place in southeast Israel that's dry and barren. It's on the way to Saudi Arabia. There's very little there. It's rocky. It's pockmarked with caves and canyons. We don't know exactly what was the stronghold of En Gedi. It could have been a cave. But more likely it was a box canyon someplace that was like in a Louis L'Amour novel that the entrance was so narrow that it wasn't easy to find because David had like 600 people with him. So it was large. That's why you don't think it's a cave. But it was a place that was impregnable to attack, but it was impregnable to discovery. And they would go hide out there, and King Saul was, was just, just combing 
the hills of Israel looking for David and never found him in the cave, the fortress of Engedi. You know the story. David's a young man. He's a shepherd. And, and uh, one day, God says he rejects Saul from being the king because Saul is arrogant and won't obey God. And he tells the prophet Samuel, you go out to this man Jesse's house and anoint one of his sons as king. And Samuel gets out there. This is all in 1 Samuel. Samuel gets out there and he, and, and he looks at the first son and he goes, surely this must be the Lord's anointed. He's tall, he's handsome, he's rugged, he's everything. And God says, no, 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 he's not right. One after another after another. Finally, they run out of sons. And, and Samuel goes to, to Jesse, don't you have any other sons? And Jesse says, well, there's a kid. He's out in the fields. He's a shepherd. Bring him in. As soon as he sees him, the Lord speaks to Samuel and says, this is the one, anoint him. And he breaks this little flask of olive oil, which is, is symbolic of the presence of the Holy Spirit all over David, because the Spirit of the Lord was with David. And he, says, he, he, he pronounces, this guy's going to be king someday. Well, sometime after that, we don't know how long. The Bible tells us that, that there's a war going on between the Philistines, read that, Palestinians, and the Jews. Same old thing, same story. And the Palestinians had this big guy named Goliath who probably would be able to play in the NBA today. The Bible calls him a giant. It, it gives us the measurement of his height in cubits, the distance between a man's fingertip and his elbow, which is not a very accurate measurement because people come in different heights. If you've been to Europe and you've seen armor, you understand that a, a thousand years ago, the knights, the big guys, you know, the guys that play in the NFL today, were, were about five feet tall, maybe five feet two. Goliath probably was about six seven, six six. He was a giant, but not like that guy in the bean can, you know? He's just a big guy. And Goliath is taunting the armies of Israel, and he's saying, send out your biggest guy, and we'll go man on man, and whoever wins, wins the war. Well, the biggest guy in Israel is King Saul, and he's long since chosen to trust in himself and not the Lord. That's what got him in trouble. And the Bible says the Spirit of the Lord left him. And so Saul's kind of on his own, and he's shivering in the tent. And Goliath's out there taunting everybody, and, and there's this big standoff, and everybody's freaking out. And David comes up with a donkey load of stuff to give us to his brothers, because you supplied your own family at war at those times. And and David hears that this thing is going on. He goes, what's that all about? And pretty soon he, he starts to hear that Saul's trying to recruit somebody to go fight the guy. And he'll, he'll give his daughter in marriage to whoever does this. And he'll give him a lot of money. And David's going, say that again? And his brother hears him. And, and it's a typical little brother deal. You know, the brother goes, you know, you little rat, go back to your scrawny sheep in the wilderness. And David's going, I wasn't doing anything wrong. I was just asking a question. And and the word gets to Saul that David's gone, I could take this guy on. See, David immediately jumps on this. That man is not attacking us. He's attacking God. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against spiritual forces, unseen powers, spirits of wickedness in heavenly places. He's taunted the armies of the Lord God of heaven can't stand. David gets hauled before Saul, and Saul says, you're just a kid. That guy's been fighting since he was a kid. And David goes, hey, when I was in the wilderness, a lion attacked the sheep, a mountain lion. I grabbed it, 
by the face, and I tore its jaws apart in the strength of the Lord. How's that one? A bear came at the sheep. I did the same. This man won't live through the day. Saul says, take my armor. David puts the armor on, and it doesn't fit. And you know something? There's a whole lesson in that. You better be wearing your own armor when you go into battle. You better have something going between you and the Lord yourself. He throws off the armor, and he goes out with, with, the, with the shepherd's tool, a sling. Not one of these guys, but a, a, it's a little pouch at the end of two leather thongs, and one's tied to your wrist, the other you're holding in your hand. You get that thing spinning around really fast, and all of a sudden you let fly, and that rock goes where it's supposed to go. David picks up five smooth stones out of the brook and goes after the guy. And, you know, you got to ask yourself, what is he doing here? Is he going to reload if he misses? <laughs> Guy coming at him pretty fast, right? And the Bible says that Goliath had four brothers. David was ready for whatever came his way. And he went out and, 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 and in, in seconds. You know, Goliath makes his big pronouncements. He's going to cut David's head off, feed his body to the birds, all that. David says, no, 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 no. You've defied the living God. I'll feed your body to the birds. And zing, Goliath goes down. David runs up, takes Goliath's sword, and cuts the, man off, his, the man's head off with his own sword. David's a hero in Israel. The people are singing songs that, like we do in songs, we exaggerate. Saul has killed his thousands. David has killed his tens of thousands. David had killed one man. <laughs> Saul gets jealous. Let's David marry his daughter and then sets out to kill him. And David's on the run from Saul for several years before God finally puts him in the place. You know, this is a lesson for us. Oftentimes God will give you a promise and you're going to go through a struggle on the way to get there, but you will get there. But in the times when the, when the, when the battle was overwhelming and things heated up, David would run to the, to the stronghold at En Gedi. And as he describes the Lord here, he's describing the Lord as our stronghold, our place of refuge. You and I need to run to our place of refuge in the Lord. What have we talked about today? The enemy that we're fighting is real, but it's spiritual. We need to learn to stand firm. We need to, 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 to bolster ourselves against him. How do you do that? With the civil rights that God has given you as citizens of heaven, the promises of God. Where do you do that? Into the place of protection. You wrap yourself up in the presence of the living Lord. Does this make sense to you? The other day I had a very weird experience. I, it was Friday. I'd, I'd flown in on Thursday morning. I'd slept two hours on the flight. A lot of times I get to f sleep really well coming in from Japan, but I left really early. It was like 7 p.m. when the flight left, and so I couldn't sleep. Slept two hours, and I get here, and, and, and now sleep is gone because it's morning. I finally took a nap, got up and did some work, watched a movie with my wife, went to bed again. Friday I got up, had a really long day. And I was in the midst of the day. I had hoped to go home in the afternoon because you're jet-lagged. You want to crash out for a half hour before preaching at night. And I just kept going. And, and, and all of a sudden, I, I hit a, a, a spot where I was, the, 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 you know, you just, you just, all of a sudden, you're wasted. It just hits you. And then I began to, my hands started trembling. And I, when I was talking, I, th I felt like my voice was trembling, although I don't think anybody else thought that. And I realized I probably was dehydrated, hadn't, hadn't eaten much, hadn't drunk much at all. 
And I was just kind of, and, and, and so when that kind of stuff starts to happen, and especially when you're jet lagged, you're not altogether sane. And uh, all of a sudden, there's just like, oh my gosh, I got to preach tonight, and the anxiety wants to come. And I, I happened to just be sitting at my desk, and and every week, early in the week, I write the, the the message, and I write it in a long version. And you can see that version on the internet. It's always we post it by Monday. And and what I do is I write it, then I go away and I forget about it. And if you ask me on Wednesday, what am I preaching about? I will go. I don't remember. But on Friday, just before church, I take the long version that's been printed out and laid on my desk, and I go and I write it in my Bible in little tiny notes or or little yellow cheat sheets like this one. And um, and so that's that just kind of brings it all back to life for me, and, and I go from there. And and so I was I was there, and I was just getting rattled and kind of coming unglued. And all of a sudden, I, the, the, the notes hadn't been stapled together, and they were just sort of slid aside. And I looked at the section of the notes that we're, that we're talking about right now, about the Lord being our fortress. Just learn to run to the Lord in, in, your, in your spirit, in your heart. And I did that. I just go, you know, I, there's safety here. There's safety in you. And I'm just putting myself in your, you know, it's, it's your day. It's your church I got to preach to tonight. It's your deal. And the weirdest thing happened. One is the anxiety that wanted to creep up just went away. But I would expect that. See, I could also answer that one away just sort of psychologically. But the other thing is, physiologically, I stopped shaking. Now, I went running for some water and some food, but I stopped getting it. Because I get the shakes. I get, a lot of times I get myself all dehydrated. I do this. And I, I used to in track when I was a kid in high school. But I, I, it just something happened. There's a place of safety in the Lord. David puts it very beautifully in, in 2 Samuel chapter 22. And I want to end with this. 2 Samuel 22. Please mark this in your Bible so you can find it someday when you're really hurting and scared or something. It's a song. If your Bible looks green like mine, it's one of these study Bibles. It's page 496. It says, David sang this song to the Lord after the Lord had rescued him from all of his enemies. God will rescue you from all of your enemies. These are the words he's saying. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my Savior. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield. He is the strength of my salvation. God is my stronghold. He is my high tower, my Savior, the one who saves me from violence. I will call on the Lord who is worthy of praise for he saves me from my enemies. That act of calling on the Lord, I believe, is the act of running into the stronghold. It's the act of taking refuge in God. You know, some of us, especially us guys, we get so macho sometimes that we just want to face it all on our own and handle everything that comes our way. And we think we're supposed to do that somehow. And here's David who, I mean, you go out and rip a lion apart by its jaws. This guy knew something about macho. 
And he goes, I'll seek the Lord. I'll pray to the Lord. He's my refuge. He's my strength. He's my shield. He's my high tower. He's my rock. He's my stronghold. He's my place of safety. I'll rest in him. I'll rest in him. I have a picture on my office wall. I had preached one time about this, this passage in 2 Samuel. A friend of mine had been in church from the mainland visiting. He was a pastor, and he heard the message. And uh, At that time, I was going through some pretty deep water in my life, and he didn't know about that. He had no way of knowing about that. And I, I went to California shortly after that, and I, I spoke at a, at a Christian college, and this girl comes up to me after I spoke, and she said, my pastor get, sent me this as a, you this as a gift. And, and uh, it was a tube. It had some artwork in it, obviously. And, and I thanked her for it. And I, w- I went home, and I, or went back to the hotel, and I pulled it out. And, and it was two prints, and you've mostly you've all seen them. It's, it's of a lighthouse about two miles offshore in France. The, the, the prints, you, you need both of them to get the whole picture. One's a close-up and one's at a distance. And there's this lighthouse that's on this rock. There's, there's really nothing there but the rock that's under it and the base of the lighthouse and the lighthouse. And you see this mammoth wave, and you can count how tall it is by the, the number of windows, the, 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 the floors in the lighthouse. And you realize that you're looking at about a 50 to 60-foot wave has hit this lighthouse and at the front side of the lighthouse, the wave coming around the back side, the front side of the lighthouse, there's a man, and he, and he looks like he's just wearing a pair of dockers and, and running shoes and, and a shirt, and he's just standing there like this. Calm as could be. The only thing missing is a coffee cup. <laughs> and when I was younger, because it's a, it's, it's a grainy picture, you can't see up close, the, the, the guy's body shape is like mine. You could say that was, the, I could say that looks like me. And here he is, and there's all this turbulence, all this pressure, all this incredible force that could crush you. And already, the, the, the rock at the base of the lighthouse and the high tower of the lighthouse has driven that force backward. And as you see the wave, what's happened is the wave has hit, but the concussion of the wave is already pushing it backward. And there's three feet in any direction, there's death. But standing in this one place, there's safety and there's protection that won't go away. That won't go away. And all you got to do is stand there. And that's such a beautiful picture to me of what we're talking about, the place of protection. The war is real. The tumult is real. It's all around us. But if we learn to come and and just take our our refuge in the Lord, find our identity as, as citizens of heaven, wrap ourselves up in the promises that God has made to us, we will find that we truly are living in a spiritual universe and that there are spiritual antidotes to the problems that beset us. That when we pray, heaven moves. You see Jesus over and over and over doing miraculous things in people's lives, healing people, whatever. And he always says, the kingdom of God has come near you today. Folks, we get to live in the kingdom of God and we need to live like we live in the kingdom of God and make the Lord our refuge. Does this feel right?
Let's pray together. God, we surrender to you this morning. We've had a long and full morning. It's been good. Uh, we thank you for it. And God, we, we, we open our hearts to you in a way that we haven't maybe before. And we lay down our own self-reliance, our own ability to deal with stuff and come and say, Lord, you are my rock. You are my fortress. You are my place of safety. It's in you that I put my trust. I surrender to you today. I surrender to you today. Lord, look after me. Protect me. Bring your promises to my mind when I'm in the midst of the conflict. Let your grace prevail in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to The Word of Hope with Ralph Moore, pastor of Hope Chapel, Kaneohe. 